All right. Welcome in, everybody. It's League's Cup Eve here on Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. RSL preparing to host Atlas at the newly minted America First Field, formerly Rio Tinto Stadium. Always the riot as we have, I guess, kind of transferred. This started happening several months ago about the South End and all the fan clubs coming under the riot umbrella. So we can talk about that. Obviously, the MLS fortunes for our beloved uh, Utah side have not been great. Three out of four, winless in four, only an extremely disappointing 0-0 draw against D.C. United at home a couple weeks ago. Um, So much to get into here as we look forward to weeks 33 and 34. Hopefully decision day matters on Sunday, October 9th, and we'll get into all the scenarios, the roster setup, and much, much more right here on Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, brought to you by One Wire Fiber. Hey guys, just a big shout out to our friend Adam Sessions and One Wire Fiber. We would not be able to bring you Bleeding Claret and Cobalt every week, every month without their great support. So you wouldn't want all your RSL news information coming from some distant out-of-state people that don't care about this community. So why would you rely on your voice, video, text for business coming from one of these big companies that literally don't care about you. If you don't own a business, but your friends do, your family does, you got to reach out to these guys because the level of customer service, of support, attention to detail from One Wire Fiber is immense. And we all know how fast the world is moving these days. If our phones, our computers, if our connectivity is not functioning properly, you just feel completely stuck in the water. And Adam and One Wire Fiber, they will figure it all out for you so you don't have to. The number one, W-I-R-E dot C-O, One Wire Fiber, they will take care of you. They care about this community. They care about this club. And they care about you. All right, Ryan, kind of a weird week here. Obviously, proud of all the guys that are gone on international duty, specifically Diego Luna for the USA under-20s. Sergio Cordova, Jefferson Savarino with Venezuela, Brian Ojeda with Paraguay, Brian Oviedo uh, with Costa Rica, and certainly Rubio Rubin with Guatemala. We thought maybe uh, Pablo Ruiz could have gone to Chile. I think he was on their preliminary roster for this window, but not the final roster. There was also rumors uh, abound in Central America that Aaron Herrera was going to get called in for Guatemala and and kind of ink that deal. It's not happened uh, quite yet. Aaron being maybe a little coy about it. Um, but you've got a club now without those six guys uh, hosting the Liga MX reigning and two-time defending champions, Atlas. I don't know a lot about Atlas, but I do know that um, they have hit some hard times this year. They're considered one of the kind of country club teams in Mexico, so they don't have the the wide-ranging uh, Mexican diaspora of fans that certainly like 
Chivas, Club America, Cruz Azul, and some of the other uh, teams do have here in North America. But Atlas did play the Campeones Cup against uh, NYCFC uh, last week at Yankee Stadium. Kind of a, you know, this whole League's Cup showcase is what they're calling it this year. Remember, this is a tournament that uh, was set to really kind of be in full voice by now, but because of COVID, things kind of got uh, stopped and staggered, and it is a made-for-TV tournament, basically, with um, uh, with uh, Univision, ESPN, all that stuff. So here tonight on Wednesday night, you've got um, Cincinnati playing, I think, uh, Chivas, De Guadalajara, you've got um I'm I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the other MLS team right now. But you've got two Leagues Cup showcase games uh tonight, and then you have RSL against Atlas on Thursday. The Galaxy and LAFC, remember early in early August, played other Leagues Cup showcase games there as a doubleheader at uh I think SoFi Stadium in LA. Only about 5,000 RSL season ticket holders opted in to this match. We'll see what the walk-up crowd is um, on Thursday night at uh, at America First Field. It, and so it's just interesting because, you know, Pablo uh, Mastroeni is going to have a very mixed lineup. You're going to have uh, young players that are on MLS contracts. You're going to have guys that have played with the Monarchs. Uh, all year, finally get a chance in a big stadium against a big club um, with the first team. So I guess that's what I'm hoping for, what I'm excited for. We'll see, and as we transition into kind of playoff positioning, um, the big leagues cup that is MLS versus Liga MX uh, will now take place next summer. And uh, basically during the summer of 2023, um, MLS is going to take a hiatus from its league schedule. And if you're a top, basically if you're a playoff team, I think, in MLS, top 14, um, you will be able to play two of these games. Um, I think at home, all these games are going to be played in the U.S. next year. Um, maybe U.S. and Canada, I should say. And then um, if you're not a playoff team, you're guaranteed one. I'm not really quite sure what the bracket's going to look like, the seating, all that kind of stuff. But, again, this is exciting for soccer in the Western Hemisphere to have teams at full strength go against each other, uh, unencumbered by travel, league schedules, all the things that historically have maybe prevented MLS teams from putting their best foot forward. And, obviously, and I do not profess to be a massive expert on uh, Liga MX, but it does seem like they have a little bit less of a summer uh, than most leagues that take a break. Certainly they have a playoff system that keeps some of these teams playing deep into the summer. Um, they have a long preseason. They have some interesting drafts and free agencies and other things that allow players uh, down there to transfer clubs, as we've seen from our old friend Sebastian Saucedo. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's going to be something new and different. RSL over the years has had, I want to say something like, um, 31 different opponents from 40, sorry, 42 different opponents from 31 countries. 
Um, a lot of international games in our history, and this is another one. First time playing Atlas. I think they're the eighth or ninth team from Mexico that we've played uh, historically, and I think you're going to get a chance to see maybe a, a Gavin Beavers or an Axel Kai or a Jude Wellings uh, alongside, you know, Justin Miram or Justin Glad or Aaron Herrera or Marcelo Silva or Pablo Ruiz or some of the regulars and uh, see what that mix looks like. And obviously, you know, you got Zach Farnsworth available, um, who's been hurt for the better part of, of two seasons, but is healthy, had a strong end to his Monarch season. Uh, some of the other Monarchs guys have, have been added to the roster or at least training uh, with RSL this week with all the international absences. So um, should be a beautiful summer night uh, out there in Sandy, and uh, we'll see what happens. I think the biggest thing is to come out of that game healthy, to get everybody back from their international duty healthy. Um, I think most guys are back by Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. And then Saturday, October 1st at LA Galaxy, massive, massive game with obviously massive playoff implications. There is zero real margin for error anymore for RSL. RSL is a team that's only won four of its last 18 games. I think it's only won one of its last six home games. And uh, these are all very, very disappointing uh, developments and numbers for us. I think FC Cincinnati the other night was the first uh, Eastern Conference team to come in here and win since 2017. I need to fact check that, but um, just a shocking win. I mean, a shocking loss. I should say a shocking FC Cincinnati win, even though I think they've gone 19 games with only one loss. Like, they're a good team. But you look at the home game against Cincinnati, the home game against D.C. United, the home game against Vancouver, the home game against Dallas, the home game against Colorado, all since July, early July and forward, every one of those games you can you can pinpoint a player to where you're effectively giving points away. And if you don't have the mistake against Vancouver, you don't blow a 2-0 against Colorado, you finish some of your chances against Dallas, you finish good chances against Cincinnati and don't gift them two goals, you finish against D.C. United, then then we're talking about like third or fourth seed in a home playoff game, I think with a lot of space. And, you know, Pablo Mastroini is a good counterbalance because he'll say, okay, but if you're going to give yourself these points that you kind of pissed away, you got to recognize the points that kind of fell into your lap like they did at New England earlier in the year, uh, maybe even the home game against Nashville earlier in the year, maybe even the home game against Austin. And, um, you know, I bring up Austin, and I can't even say that team name or see their logo without thinking about how great those first 60 minutes were uh, last Wednesday night in Austin. Kind of a new look. You had Diego Luna getting his first, uh, his second overall start, but really significant minutes. And uh, Anderson Julio, Rubio Rubin, Andrew Brody had another great chance there. Like, you just felt like it was there for the taking. And then, and we saw some some fiery emotion from Pablo Mastroeni in his post game, where he just felt like the guys that came on as subs kind of let the starters down and really didn't 
live up to the speed of the game for that final 30 minutes. And, you know, their under-22 guy, Dejite, uh, from Senegal, ends up getting a hat trick. And, you know, I would have thought going into that game, if we are going to lose in Austin 3-0 – It'd be because we gave up an, an early goal and we were under it and the game would have gotten away from us. And we've seen that a couple other times this season. The first one that comes to my mind is Minnesota, but we actually came back and made that a a game, 3-2, although I don't know if it was that close as the score indicated. So it's just interesting um, over the course of a marathon season because, Ryan, a lot of people have asked me, like, how has this team only won four of its last 18? Like, what's going on? And obviously, you know, you're missing Demir's kind of leadership and inspiration and all the intangibles he brings. Um, I'm not, I've not seen or felt anything, sig- I guess, that you could say, oh, this is why, you know, because I think it is all the self-inflicted mistakes we've made at various junctures. Uh, in various games, and you know, Pablo talks all the time about moments, and so that's where my mind goes. Like I'm around these guys every day, and they like each other. They're tight knit. They fight for each other, and none of that has changed. Even like when you look at either a a very rough short stretch, like what did we get points points wise these last couple three game weeks? We got we got one point, uh, the most recent one, and we got what four in the previous one. So that's that's uh five points out of out of eighteen available in the last couple um stints or whatever. Like that's that's depressing. It can it can be demoralizing. I think you can say that some guys seem maybe a little tired. You look at you look at the minutes that I mean Andrew Brody's played all but I think a hundred minutes all season. Zach McMath, I get it, he's a goalkeeper. He's played every minute. Miram Silva, um, Brody have have all played. I think uh, and McMath, all four of those guys have probably played more minutes than they have in I don't know four, six, eight years as professionals. So um, you have that, but you got two games left. I think there are scenarios where four points from the two games get you in, but the message around the club and the locker room is you got to win both. You got to win six. Points in the final two games. You go to the LA Galaxy October 1st. You're back on decision day uh, for Portland. And that'll get you in. And as we saw a year ago, even if it goes down to the last 15 seconds of the last game, and maybe, you know, Demir's obviously probably not back to do it, but can somebody provide a miracle and get you in the playoffs? And once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. And and Ryan, I, I don't. I apologize for going on and on. I, I want to hear your thoughts because you look at all the players that have been have, that have been brought in since uh, mid-May. And remember, end of May, when we were seven wins, three losses, four draws, we looked at the way the schedule set up. We had just gotten Anderson Julio and Jefferson Savarino back in. Uh, Diego Luna had just been acquired. Like those, those guys were upgrades, all of them. And then even the most recent window, the first week of August, and it took some time to get those guys in, but Ojeda, Oviedo, Musaski, those guys were upgrades too. But there just isn't time 
to get them integrated, and it's been fits and starts um, everywhere. And you know, look, I'm I'm very excited to see what Brian Ojeda brings next year in that midfield. I'm very excited to see what Diego Luna uh, looks like as he continues to grow and mature. And certainly, I think we could say, hey, when all these guys have a have a preseason under Pablo and really understand. This is how we defend in a back three. This is how we defend in a four. Do we try a diamond midfield? Do we do this? Do we do that? Like, that's exciting, but none of that helps right now. Like, Brian Oviedo is going to start in a World Cup for Costa Rica. Like, and he's he's played a couple different positions. Andrew Brody's played three different positions the last three games, and he's he's what he always is. He's a machine, you know? Um, I don't know. So those things have me excited, but like we talked all summer, like, hey, this sets up. We got five of the next seven at home, and we turned a lot of those wins into ties. We turned a couple ties into losses. It's just very, very disappointing when you look back. But when you, I think when you, when you look back at the results, and this is the hard part for us fans, right? Pablo talks about performances, and he doesn't want the guys thinking about results. He wants to think about results. But he just wants guys to go out and do their job and fight for the guy next to him, and the results will come. And the results haven't come. And, you know, look, I, I think we could go back and listen to a lot of Pablo's Zooms or post-game interviews or, or radio hits and TV hits. And generally, I think you look. that's what's so frustrating in a nutshell is I think you look at any one of these games, except for maybe the road game at LAFC, and even the home game against LAFC where we lost 4-1, I think I think we felt like we played better than that scoreline indicated. But almost all these games, your performance was much, much better than the result. Even the, like the 0-1 home loss against Dallas, I think that's a game we all felt like we all played them. They score a fluky goal off of a throw-in and a turnover in the 14th minute, and then we can't equalize. And, I mean, how many games this year, Ryan, have we said – Man, if we had just gotten one, we would have gotten five. Okay. You know, the floodgates open. I I feel like a broken record on some of this stuff. Yeah, it's uh it's it's been it's been uh I'm not gonna say exhausting. It's been <laughs> there's been a lot of energy spent in this last this last uh, as a fan watching. You know, obviously you feel for what's happening with the team. Like when you when you've been paying this as as close attention as as you know people like us pay attention to these guys you see you see those performances like to 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 what pablo's speaking to it's like the performances of these players is generally i i mean who you can point to maybe like four or five performances that weren't like good performances i mean i think in those and in a lot of those cases they're not the reasons that that points were dropped like individual player performances but i think you're starting to see well We've talked a lot about how, how the intensity of the of the matches, especially the home matches this year. Like I, I've kind of felt like every home match has had a playoff intensity too. Like that comes from like the stadium being mostly full. I think, but also I think it comes from understanding that this is a you know, RSL is a small team in a you know with some big fish floating around in the same pond. You know, it's like there's there's a there's some. Um, in order for RSL to be successful, they do have to hit above their weight, right? Now that's kind of I think that that's understood by everybody top to bottom there. Whether or not that's always going to be the case with RSL, I don't know. But like this season, I think it's maybe something understood. And as as up as we are about this team, and like we look at this team top to bottom, like there's 
there's people that are playing above what they were expected to play. Like, I mean, every time the, the guys that we spend the majority of our time talking about on this team, like are, are not the ones that, uh, that are, that people are saying, these are the players, these are RSL players. We're talking about the, the role players that are stepping up and, and performing. Um, but I think that it is, we're at a point where the, the, the schedule is taking its toll. And uh, I think it maybe speaks to, to how an MLS team needs to be built and, Depth in an MLS squad is is incredibly important, and we're seeing that. I think, like, I mean, I think that we, you, the when you look at the the string of results, I mean, I think that maybe some support from the bench would have been <laughs> very very helpful right now. Not to say, like, I mean, think about like the the number that you always throw out. Like, how many players have have played for for Pablo this season? How many players have started for Pablo? I mean, there's a lot of capable uh, performances out there, but I think. I think we're just seeing like that that there's there's something about the drag of this uh of this this season that you it's kind of it's it's illuminating some things about like what an MLS roster needs and I'm hoping that like this is something that like you know as you know maybe an ownership group making assessing what needs to be done here I think that maybe those things can be are obvious but um but I'm not like I'm not disappointed with any of the performances I'm seeing I'm seeing people people playing like obviously like I get you know <clears throat> As optimistic as I am, like I get frustrated when things like Cordova not scoring a goal every game is is there, and I you see the the chances he misses, but you also see the chances he creates, and then you the, after spending all this time like being worried about like what is Sergio Cordova doing, and then you hear the stat like between Cordova and Savarino, like every single goal that's ever that, that, that yeah, ourselves I mean, four, scores fourteen of the last twenty have been scored or assisted by those, which two. is a, which is wild. Obviously, right. there, there's things that are happening, and the thing like what if the ball had bounced ourselves way in a few of these different games and the this is wildly different like just we've even just talked about the last three games which i think all three of them had that same the same pattern of this is a good solid performance especially in the first half maybe maybe they all have kind of like a there's a little bit of chaos at the beginning but then they they solidify and then it just kind of like it just doesn't it just gets away and if you think like what if you had those nine points you know like that were lost uh, like how much different this conversation is i mean it is frustrating to be an rsl fan right now because we have seen this potential we have been here for it we've been we've been you know up and down with this with the results um the the intensity has been so high a lot of people have matched you know to match that it's been it's been like frankly kind of exhausting and i think that like what we want to see is we want to see this team finish in the place that it deserves to be and right yeah. now uh this team does not deserve to be under a playoff line this does this team deserves to be well in the middle of that and i think that like that's why i think there's so much emotional energy um, yeah and look the the fans in nashville and minnesota and galaxy and portland have been feeling the same way and you know we have not finished our chances we are near the bottom of the league and goal scored our defense has been really good but i mean look your golden boot leader only has eight goals your second goal leader only has six. We've ha- we do have goals from ten different people. Um, we have multiple goals from I think. Sorry, we have multiple goals from I think ten different people. But man, there's just so many of these situations. Like I mean, think about just the Cincinnati game. Pablo Ruiz makes that penalty kick. Different game. Uh, Jefferson Savarino slams home the chance uh, in the second minute. Different game. Now you gotta you gotta say the same thing about Austin, because 
they had Aruti go off the bar five minutes in, yeah. and then our first sixty minutes may not look as good as they as they did, you know. Yeah. Um. And again, like we could go through every game and do this over and over and over. Um. Look, I think we've seen enough quality at times from this team, and you think about the win at Seattle or the win at um, New England early. Or, you know, some of the comebacks. But, like, I mean, think about that game at San Jose. It ends up a 2-2 tie on a last-second Saverino goal. But you go up 2-1 if if Cordova buries that one chance early in the second half. Yeah, definitely. And that changes game. So, I look, we can go – there's plenty of moments in e- in, that could make the game go either way in all these. So, okay, what are you going to do against the Galaxy? Because, you know, they spent – a ton of money in the summer window to get uh, Ricky Puig from uh, Barcelona. I think the Catalan uh, surname pronunciation is Push, but um, that guy's obviously been a revelation. Like he's scoring or assisting amazing goals yeah. every game. And Galaxy are at home. We're typically bad on the road, um, but we have never. Uh, we have won more road games at. What used to be the Home Depot Center, uh, as, uh, Dignity Health, yeah, Dignity Health, yeah. Dignity Health Sports Park, or something, <laughs> whatever the awkward name is that place has now. Um, that's where we're the at. Angus Hills. Yeah, yeah. So, look, I, I do love, and I've said this before. This year, more than any other that I've ever been around this team, I do feel like we go into road games with more of a chance to win. I think the group really believes they can win. And and look, we don't want to make excuses, but injuries really have kind of ravaged the depth of this team at certain junctures. But that was that was more true in March and April and May. And that was when we rolled out to that 7-3 and 4 record. And I know Matt Doyle likes to say early season MLS you can get away with hard work and grit and guile and determination and all those things that go into uh, the ex-dog that this club was uh, lauded for. Yeah. And that stuff kind of peters out over the summer and quality comes through. But for us to go four wins, eight losses, six draws over the last four, sorry, 18 games... Is that right? Yeah. I just we are we have more quality than that. And and that is what brings me back to saying, okay, well this draw should have been a win if so and so or such and such does this. And this loss should have been a tie if if we don't let this happen. And I guess that's the life of a fan. And um but that being said and you've heard me say this for years, hopefully, whether you're Sergio Cordova or Jefferson Savarino or Eric Holt or Zach McMath or Pablo Ruiz or Andrew Brody or Justin Glad or Marcelo Silva or whoever you are, whatever mistakes that you made that changed the game through the first 32 of this season, hopefully you've learned those lessons 
so that if that moment presents itself again here in week 33 against LA Galaxy or week 34 against Portland, you handle it. And then same thing in the playoffs. Like, you know, the intensity is just wrapped up a notch. So, look, I get that I'm always glass half full and I'm overly positive and you guys should have been around in 2005 or 6, 7 uh, when we barely won any games. And every Saturday I was like, this is the week. It turns around. And I didn't know. I wasn't doing that on purpose. I wasn't consciously. I'm not being artificially positive. I just, I really believe in Pablo Mastroeni and I believe in that locker room. And, I, and, and look, I know there's people, everybody's got their players they love and everybody's got players they hate. I'm the same way with with the Denver Broncos, not just right now, but always. And look, I cannot go on Twitter and rip individual players to shreds. I think there are people that want me to do that, and that's it's not fair. And I guess part of what I go back to is the worst player on any of these rosters knows more about soccer than I'll ever know. Yeah. And even... Uh, even though I've been around this league for a million years and I've been to a million games and I've watched a million games, like I just can't sit here and think, you know, just seeing what happens in those 90 minutes, like that I know more than Pablo Mastroeni does, you know, because he's around these guys every minute of every day on and off the field. He knows what's happening in their with their parents and their marriages and their kids and who's sick and who's not. And like all that affects the, the product of those 90 minutes on the white lines. And I think Dunny does a good job of trying to remind us all that these guys are humans and they have lives. And like, you know, we've talked about it with Sergio Cordova, like he's a Venezuelan kid that goes over to Germany for five years. And in a lot of ways, his, he was maybe a little isolated here and there. Certainly there's a language barrier. He was maybe asked to play some different positions, but the feedback wasn't always clear. Like those are all things that we had to deal with here. And, I, you know, he's not a computer, so it's not like deprogramming and rebooting and all that stuff. He's a human being. And certainly I would think, you know, he's had he's had a roller coaster of a year. And I think things ticked up a certain amount when Savarino was here because – there's a comfort level. And, um, you know, look, I think he's going to have a big impact uh, on this club for the foreseeable future if he's back next year. Um, and those are decisions that will be made in the offseason. But I think you could say that about a lot of guys. Like, who's who's still um, developing in a positive trajectory? Who needs a change of scenery? Because, you know... None of this is linear for anybody. And um, yeah, well, let me let me speak to yeah. something you brought up there just a second ago because obviously, like, I I have a lot of opinions on on uh just uh well this show I don't want to get too meta but um <laughs> but uh like what is it what does it take like when you're when you're a fan of a club you have every right to be upset about results that's like the, that's yeah. the whole point of it the reason right. why this thing exists why you know why there's a stadium why people it's like because things are gonna go up and down things every every fan has the right to do that i think that when one of those things that i like um you know those that know my history i was you know a fan and then i came to work for the club and now i don't work for the club but but one of the things that i that i saw um 
that it kind of blew my mind as I got inside the club and was trying to make content that like, you know, highlighted what was going on here is that like, there's a lot of things that you can't say not because it's like, not because it's like, um, you got to protect people or because it's like, you got to like, uh, there's so many secrets or whatever. It just is this, this thing is like the information coming out of the club should be this thing where like, you know, it helps people become, con- you know, connect to the people that are there. And I feel like that's the thing like Dunny does that very well. Like you brought that up. And like, I think that's kind of your role too. Like it's, I mean, you're in your position as, as public relations, like it's your gen, exactly what your role, your role isn't here to like, be like, to go and take a swing at like what, what was this substitution pattern, whatever, you know, that's yeah. the one we always go to, but like, but I think that there's, there's some value in that. I mean, we need the fans to be out there, you know, having their arguments, having their like, you know, opinions. Like that's, that's, that's exactly what we come to sports for. Everybody knows that. That's like the thing is like a lot of times it does go, it, you know, it's, it becomes a little, there's times when it gets toxic and it's hard to be sure. part of a fan base. And I think everybody, everybody has that, but I think, I, I feel like that the, what we have here in our cell is um, for fans and for the club. I think it's it's pretty healthy. And I think I think what we have is is great. And I think that like one of the reasons why people like me feel so connected to the club is because we're able to like hear things about like you know we'll we'll see guys at the grocery store. We'll like you know we'll run into somebody and like you know I don't know we'll have we'll be able to connect with this team as as and so that is why it kind of gets tough. Like when we have a, a, a day like today where we're like. Yeah, it's rough right now to be uh, the RSL outlook as far as the stand, as far as the, the the results go. It's not an easy place to like just sit there and be happy about it. But uh, I think I think in reality, like that's fine. You know, there's going to be ups and downs. Um, you know, teams don't win. Like, you know, I'm I'm friends with uh, with people that have been part of you know following clubs in England that have never made it past the championship. You know, the, the entire you know that that kind of stuff. Like, not to say that's what RSLs should be. We should be content with that. I think that like I think it's good that our fan base is consistently demanding better. I think that's good. I think that this this fan base is sure. invested. No, you um, want high standards oh, absolutely. and high expectations. And I think that like the the times it kind of goes it it trends toxic. <laughs> I think that's just a, that's just a, that's just your sign to like maybe I'll step out of Twitter for a little bit and come back, you know, I'll go back to the game and f- remember why I'm a fan of ourselves. But um um well I guess I guess the point is like I'm trying to make is like um yeah, these are people, these are guys. I think at the end of the day um you know soccer players are paid to play to score goals and win games. And, uh, you know, it may be hard. Some of the adjustments that are going to have to be made. I think we're going to, I think RSL, the future of RSL holds, uh, we're going to lose some guys that we we've grown to care about because we are so invested. Yeah. And I think that also it's going to say, you know, well, we're going to see some things happen. We're going to see something change. I think that I have no, I have no reason to doubt that the, that the ownership is going to do anything, but try and make this team as successful as possible. And I'm excited to see what that means. So, I'm frustrated right now as a fan. I'll tell you that, Trey. Right? Sure. It's this frustrating place to be. But um, I do, I love the fact that, like, I like having these conversations with you because I know that we can't go, we can't jump down the hole and yeah. be like, because in this in this conversation that we have every week, like, if we can't just sit here and, like, complain about performances. So I have to kind of, like, frame my, like, frustration and, like, well, you know what? There's some good things happening. Yeah. And, and that actually kind of helps me. So well, like, I mean, we can. Like, I don't think there's a guy in that locker room does, that doesn't welcome the weight of expectation. Yeah. And there's not a guy in that locker room does that doesn't feel like he just let 20,000 people down when we don't get the full three points yeah. at home. And, um, and that's part of why it hurts so much is because these guys do care. Um, it's funny. You said something about, you know, substitution patterns and not uh, like, look, we're all fans. We're all critical. I don't know that I've seen 
a substitution caused people to go nuts more than the early second half one against Cincinnati when we needed a goal and Pablo put Scott Caldwell in, right? And I guess, and look, we all look at the game the di- a different way, right? Differently. So that's what it's called the beautiful game. And you and I can vehemently disagree watching the same play or the same five second piece of video or whatever. And, and look, I know we needed a goal, but also like Jasper had come out at halftime, Pablo Ruiz, Pablo Master, when he said after the game, he probably would have taken him out at halftime, but because he missed the PK, he felt like if he took him out at halftime, that that would just like crush his spirit, crush his soul. And look, none of us were thinking about that. I didn't even think about that. Well, obviously until Pablo Master, when he said something post game. So like when I look back at that game and I usually go back and rewatch a lot of games, I haven't gone back and rewatched Cincinnati yet, but, and I don't know if I will, but that might've been one of the toughest 45 minutes that Pablo Ruiz or whatever, 55 minutes that Pablo Ruiz had ever had here. So that's why Scott Caldwell went in is because yes, we need to score a goal, but you also need to prevent the other team from scoring and, you know, I'm sure – and it's hard to, like, judge performances and plays and certain things off of, like, screenshots because this is obviously a very fluid game. But, I mean, one of the big things on Twitter Saturday night, Sunday morning was screenshots of, like, the RSL defensive positioning on their first goal, Cincinnati's first goal, which was late first half. And you do see a lot of guys out of position. And it wasn't just Pablo Ruiz. It was – Aaron Herrera, it was Diego Luna, it was um, Jasper. It was like, okay, that's a lot of space for Cincinnati. No wonder they scored there, right? And those are the little things that – and even I think Pablo and his staff would tell you, look, we prepare guys for the 90 minutes, but in the 90 minutes, like, there's only so much we can do. We can try and pull levers, but it's still – there are a billion events during a game and how a guy reacts like that's on him. You know, that is, or her, that is, that is the player's opportunity. And, you know, I've heard a lot of guys talk about like one of the cruel things about pro sports in this game is like, you know, you start out and you're young and you're super athletic and you can, you can make up for mental mistakes with your athletic ability and then you get that kind of sweet spot late prime where you're still very athletic. You're you're such a smart player in whatever sport. You can read the game kind of as it happens and see things before that happen. And then, and like Chris Wingard, somebody that talked about this at the end of his career, he could see everything. Like he knew what was going to happen. But he couldn't get his legs to get his body into the spot where he needed to be a half second earlier to be on time to to create the opportunity that he was trying to create and and that's frustrating right and that's that's what we all hope doesn't happen to our heroes but as they say Ryan Father time is undefeated so um 
you know, that's going to be a big factor in, okay, what do some of these older guys look like next year? Are they here? Are they somewhere else? Um, and, and again, like at the same time, who's, who amongst the young guys are ready? I know, dude, I like, we all want to see Axel or Jude or Hazi or, um, whoever play the young guys, but I don't, there's a lot of situations I see their names being clamored for. And it's like, I'm not sure a regular season MLS game is the best place for that. And, you know, look, specific to Hazi, like, people are like, well, you know, he probably wouldn't have done worse than some of the center backs that we've seen in certain moments or whatever. I don't know that. I mean, I think we all hope that because we all think Hazi is going to be a stud, but it was important for him to also, part of his development as a 17, 18-year-old, to get 90 minutes week in, week out and kind of learn how to be that pro and learn what it means on a Monday or Tuesday after that game and before that game. And, you know, I don't think it's easy to just say, oh, well, Eric Holt and Johan Koppelhoff screwed this up, so let's we should have put Hazy or Zach Farnsworth or uh, Nick Beasler or somebody else in those situations because you just don't know. Maybe that particular player that we all want to see succeeds in that moment, but there's other moments that he doesn't handle the way Holt or Kapoff or whoever did. And that's that's the that gets back into the kind of the art of the sport and trying to find that that magic uh moment to to make sure you get what you need as a individual and as a team. So that's why we watch the games and we love to talk about them and we'll see what happens not just Thursday night against Atlas, but certainly, uh, and we'll have another show here before the Galaxy game, but that's going to be a big one. And the Galaxy have a game, their game in hand will be played this weekend against San Jose, a game that was rescheduled. I think there was a stadium issue. They were trying to play that game up at Stanford or Mm. something, Um, California Classico. Let me just say one thing before we sign off here. It's like I was just thinking, like, just trying to, to balance the whole idea of, like, you know, wanting to say good things but also wanting to be realistic but i think as a fan um all i want to see is i want to know that the players and the coach care as much as i sure. do i want to be able to see that like honestly there's no way to tell that that's the thing but yeah, i think i think there's sometimes i think as a fan of sports you see sometimes where that doesn't exist i think this year i think that i think that the what i've seen on the field has matched what i thought you know this game's important i see it on the field maybe the thing so the second part of this is that like i want to see um I want to see the club put the players that are on the field in the best position to make to 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 succeed the way they want to, yeah. and I think that that comes down to that's uh, that's on uh you know management, and I think that that's uh I think we're seeing a lot of I seen I think the heart is there for the players. I think that um I think that the we they put players in places that I think they were meant to succeed, and I think there's some things that are still there's still question marks, and I think that um, as we see these things like addressed. Um, if you can maintain what Pablo has brought to this team, we talked about the vibes and the, the, the things, the, the mm-hmm. desire, the the connections, the the fact that, that we have a head coach that is thinking about the well-being of a player beyond the the missed penalty. Mm-hmm. You know that that's mm-hmm. that's good. That's healthy for this team. Um, I want to see it like 
I want to see that matched by the, the the investment that's being made. And I think that that's, that's how we'll ultimately see RSL succeed here is that we see that the, the players care and that, the, that they've been given the tools to succeed too. So anyway, yeah, Trey, thanks again. Thanks again for coming in. And Always. Like, thank you. I, I do like these, I like these the conversations when things are a little bit rough because I like to figure out like how, how we're going to say, how we're going to spin this. <laughs> not well, spinning, it's, it's not even a yeah, spin, but like how we're going to. It's funny because, and look, I get that, you know, in certain areas, we're all kind of in the eye of the hurricane, and yeah. that's where it's calmest. And sometimes the locker room, they just seem so insulated from the noise or the chaos or the frustration or whatever. And, you know, I think we as fans don't always want that. But if you think about it, isn't that best? Like for them to be able to just oh, focus, yeah. to turn the page. Like I remember, dude, people used to get furious after a loss and Kyle Beckerman would just tweet on to the next. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like, people would go nuts. And it's like you don't question Kyle's love of the club, desire, commitment, tenacity. He's the yeah. truest definition of a warrior. And but he had the and he may not have had it when he was 17, but he had it when he was 27 to realize like the MLS season is a marathon. The margins are so tiny. And and I feel like I've heard Pablo say this quite a bit in the last few weeks. Like, nobody's more frustrated with their losses than those guys are. But they're, they're just kind of like, we can't do anything crazy. Can't lose our heads. And we got to just try to get better the next time out. And it sounds so... Even as I sit here and say it, it sounds like bland and boring. And- yeah. Well, I mean, people have stuck with us through this episode here. Let's give them like one thing to like kind of like, <laughs> let's put some. Yeah. Stuff. So just realistically, I know people can do this with their own if they're looking at on their own, if they're looking at the table. But like, what does RSL need to do in the last, these last two games to like put themselves in the best? I mean, obviously win, but what are the, what are the scenarios here? Yeah. You got to win both. There are some scenarios where like if the Galaxy lose to San Jose, and Portland loses. I'm blanking on who they play uh, the weekend that we play the Galaxy. But there are some scenarios where we could get in with four points. Okay. But if you look at our goals and our our goal differential, we're not going to win very many tiebreakers unless, you know, maybe if we beat the Galaxy six nothing or something, we we could get to the point. Or if we beat the Timbers six nothing, you could get to the point where maybe some tiebreakers work out in our favor. But um, it's all about points, and it's all about us. Like, believe it or not, we still control our destiny. Yeah. Now we've been saying that for a while, and we've been saying that with a lot of cushion. I mean, thinking that DC United and Cincinnati were coming onto our turf, and mm. uh, I just don't know that anybody ever thought you were going to have less than six points, maybe four in those two games. Yeah, and we end up with one. Like, it's been shocking. Well, lots to lots to still be paying attention to, and. I mean, obviously all that's within the realm of, I mean, this is a team that can win those games. And so looking for those, looking for those results, looking for some balls to bounce our yeah. way. I think it's, I think we're due. It's been a, it's been a rough stretch of uh, the ball not bouncing the right way. Yeah. So I think, I think we're due for some good results. So um, interesting to like pay attention, see the, see the guys that you've been wanting to see on the field play tomorrow night with, uh, against Atlas, I think. Yeah. Like that. yeah. But, I think um, we'll have a somewhat respectable double digit crowd but it won't be it won't be a sellout it won't be 20,000 um 
So, yeah. well, thanks for coming in again, Trey. And, Always. Uh, can't wait to see what happens where we're at next week. <laughs> can't wait. All right, everybody. That's this week's edition of Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. Look forward to seeing you at the Atlas match at America First Field on Thursday night. I think it's streaming on ESPN Plus if you're unable to attend in person. And then we get ready for LA Galaxy. Uh, gotta gotta figure out a way to get all three there, and then make Portland matter on Decision Day, October 9th. Next show, we'll talk about the club's decision day history. More often than not, it does all come down to decision day. And more often than not, RSL has uh, found a way to make it happen. No better example than uh, 2021, the Demiracle at Kansas City. So, as always, we appreciate you listening. Follow us on social at Claret Cobalt on Twitter and Instagram. You can also go to anchor.fm slash Claret and Cobalt. You can email us, rsltrey at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your opinions. If there's any cool RSL research you want us to undertake, please, please let us know. Thank you for listening, downloading, sharing, subscribing, and uh, just everything you do to support the club. And uh, we've got an exciting off-season coming up as well. We'll get into all that in October, November, December as we get ready for 2023. But thank you so much, as always, for Ryan Hale. I'm Trey Fitzgerald for Adam Sessions and One Wire Fiber. We appreciate you right here at Bleeding Claret and Cobalt.